Hello, everyone. Today, I'm so excited to be welcoming Michelle Nedlick. She has over 20 years of experience in executive coaching, working with clients ranging from eight figures to solopreneurs. Michelle runs the creative side of her Infusionsoft done-for-you marketing tech services company, doing marketing and business automation, helping entrepreneurs with lead generation, sales conversions, and increasing their profits and revenue through maintaining their, their company awareness strategies. And I am so excited to talk about this because when we did our prep call, we were like nerding out about the technology and all of the kind of pieces that go into running a business. And so this is a really exciting conversation for us today. Thanks. I'm excited to be here and thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, I know I just read your bio, but I'd love for you to kick off and tell us a little bit more about you and your business and what inspired you to start your company. Nice. Well, we started back in 2003 as a personal development company and teaching people how to create success. So my wasn't necessarily good at it, but my love of it for speaking on stage and helping train people was what kind of propelled us forward. And then we kind of did a pivot, which we'll talk about more, I'm sure, into the whole uh, tech done for you side of things and really being able to help entrepreneurs to strategize their business and figure out where they were going and helping my partner to be in his side or his mojo in the business, which is the tech side of the company. And just having a ton of fun being able to together help entrepreneurs and grow their businesses. So we just, entrepreneurship is kind of one of the loves of our lives. And it's like, okay, how do we help people get better? <laughs> That's great. I love that. And who are your typical clients? Like, who do you like to work with? Yeah, typically we are, and to kind of give you the full spectrum. So when we started off, we're like, oh, okay, we need to help these people because they clearly don't know what they're doing. And these people being my peers in the industry that we're all looking to go online. So it was the speakers, authors, information specialists that were getting their information out into the world. And we've since forayed into kind of the bigger companies, the $20 million companies that had a lot of tech support that they needed. So they'd have a lot of our companies had tech departments and they had marketing departments, but they weren't really utilizing them together and didn't know how to integrate the technology so that they had integrated data. And then we swept back into the, oh, but there's solopreneurs that need our help. And we've got to help these poor little guys kind of get some air under their wings and help them to fly. So we were doing a little bit of that and we're kind of swinging the pendulum back into that kind of one to $20 million range. Although, of course, if somebody comes to us from either side and says, hey, can you help us? We're not going to kick them out with the dirty water, but we are focusing our attention kind of into that one to $20 million range because we've noticed that they particularly have kind of got the Frankenware in place. But a little piece of this, a little piece of that software, and they're trying to <laughs> breathe life into it. And, you know, poor Frank, we have a love-hate relationship with them and Sometimes an eye pops out and an arm falls off and they're like, I don't get it. They're supposed to work together and they don't. So yeah, we come in and really help them to take away all of that headache, help them to have a better understanding of, of what technology is, how to speak the language, how to understand how to translate it into business so that they can start to make sound decisions on the next five years based on a concept and technology that obviously isn't their stronghold. 
Yeah. You brought, you bring up a really good point about like the kind of the Frankensteining pieces of it together. And I definitely see this as a nonprofit consultant. I see this all the time with those clients, but also with the solopreneurs, we're often so not overwhelmed, but we get excited by all of the new things that these new tools promise us and how they're going to make our lives easier. What are some of the other challenges you see, especially some of the smaller businesses or solopreneurs facing when it comes to their technology? Well, and a lot of it, it's not really different, actually, mm-hmm. is that because technology has got to the point where there are so many shiny new things that you can do. And then marketing has got to the point where it becomes confusing because everybody's telling you that there's does everything and they don't. Mm -hmm. They really don't. And it's a matter of understanding your business, what you do super well, and being able to articulate that to a team like us and being able to go, okay, I know what I do. And this is what I want to accomplish. This is my niche market. This is the people I want to get a hold of. How do I do that to the best of my ability and allow us to then come and do our magic? Because talking to a, a lady just this morning, and she runs a very successful business. It's, you know, it's a $20 million business and she wants to grow it more, obviously. <laughs> we went into yeah. business. And in realizing that she didn't have a technology problem, she had a strategy problem. And it was merely a matter of how do you bring kind of her message, the message that she wanted to get across earlier on in the conversation so that when the conversation comes up, she's not just dropping it on people's lap and going, hey, this is what I want to talk about now. And I think that problem happens a lot through businesses, whether somebody's a coach, a consultant, or they're an electrician, they're a lawyer, it's being able to kind of understand how to answer people's questions all the way throughout their journey and realizing that their journey doesn't just start with when they're talking to you. That's usually when the sales process starts, but it's their journey started when they saw your ad, when they saw your opt-in, when they got a referral from a friend. And it's that conversation that has to keep going. And a lot of business people don't realize that conversation extends beyond them both before and after that conversation has happened. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think we often don't look at it from the client's perspective too. Like we're so, we got our head so into it and are so worried about all the doodads and, you know, tweaks that we can make. But, you know, it is important to think about What's that client seeing? How's their experience going for? Are they having a cumbersome time getting your opt-in even as something as simple as that? So I think that's a really good perspective. And thinking about from the time management and productivity perspective, obviously there's huge benefits to getting the technology and support to work for you. Where do you see people most often missing out on opportunities to say like automate? something right what are some of the options that people right are just missing off out? the get-go yeah. <laughs> and the problem is so many people say oh you know software can be really expensive or I don't have time to be able to train somebody to do that or I just need somebody that will do this thing for him and be a mini me and that's the wrong way of looking at the business but we all do it we've all done it <laughs> and it doesn't really matter where we start business from whether we had an MBA or we where a CEO and a company got a buyout and decided to go start our own company, or we just got fired too many times and decided to start our own company. And then we all go, Hey, I just need somebody who can do this. And I just need, <laughs> it's like, no, wrong conversation to be having. What we really want to do is step back and strategize. Okay. What do I want to create? How do I want to 
you know, do I want to have events? Do I want to have challenges? Do I want to, you know, put out ads and just do discovery calls with people? Do I want to have a sales team connecting with people before they come to me? Like they're just kind of business conversations, but you want to know what they are. And it's no different than if somebody has a bricks and mortar, you know, are we putting out ads in magazines? Do we have a little sign outside the front door? Do we, you know, how are we bringing people from outside to get to notice us? And there's very few businesses right now that can afford to stand alone on traditional marketing, but there's a lot that can, even in the digital world, that can benefit from traditional marketing and digital marketing. So now you've got these two that adds a certain complexity to your business. And you really want to just kind of hone in on how do my ideal clients consume information? Where are they hanging out? What's the best use of their time? Where are they least distracted by other things and can consume this information? I had a conversation with one gal who was doing a dating service. And I said, what you really want to do is be in airplane magazines and business class. And if they don't do those anymore, like figure out a way to get there because that's when people are just sitting down, they're relaxing, they're not focused on their business and they can focus on, wow, I spent a lot of time away from my family and I'm really not fond of this, right? And that's when you want to get them in that moment is when they're not distracted and they can think about those things. And the same thing can happen in the digital world, right? When we're looking to kind of get away from them things and think about whatever it is that the problem you serve, there's an opportune moment in that. And it can be an email. It can be in social media. It can be a whole mm -hmm. lot of places. And you just want to make sure that you're getting that message out consistently to your clients when they want it. And oftentimes that means automating your business. So I think, <laughs> sorry to make a long story short. <laughs> yes. When was the time? And it's right away. So when you're starting to think about your business, it's how can I give all of this stuff to somebody that knows how to take it and run with it? And not just, you know, throw money at the problem and say, oh, this agency charges $40,000 for the thing. They must be good. I'll just go with them and throw money at them. Don't do it that way. Ask more questions and you have answers and say, this is what I want to create. How do you see me creating it? How do you see this fitting in? How can you help me to build this to be bigger and better and faster? So that even if you're just starting a business, you have no list, you have no anything, you're mm -hmm. still putting the right systems in place in order to make money as quickly as possible because you know you have a message and you know it's clear and you know how to test it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that whole approach, right? trying to figure out what to prioritize. Right. Yep. And and I often hear that I don't have time to save time is really what they're saying, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is exactly. kind of silly when you think about it. And it's really about putting in that little bit of effort or reaching out to an expert to say exactly what you just said. This is what I want to do. How do I do this most efficiently and most effectively? where do you see people misprioritizing, I guess is the right way to say it. So again, they're focusing on these pieces that aren't going to help move their business forward. They get really hung up on it. A lot of times it's a mindset of, I can solve my own problems. I don't need anybody's help. It'll be yeah. okay. It's a very dangerous place to get into because we're all really smart. Like we all know our stuff and we don't want to be told that we're not right. And we don't know how to do it. And that's kind of what we're afraid of, I think, happening. And and part of it may also be a little bit of, well, I don't really know if this is kind of good enough to go in the public and show them what I'm doing. But I know from my experience, had I gone and got help sooner than I did, I would have been much better off because there was a lot of people that looked at my business and went, oh, did you do this? And I, oh, 
no yeah that would be really smart if i just did that would be the one thing i was missing yeah <laughs> in my real office crying to myself for you know six months at a time and you know and then i do the thing and then it works and i'm like why didn't i do that more often and then it just becomes perpetual and my biggest concern is helping entrepreneurs get out of the four walls that they're staring at and going and talking and listening to podcasts but going and further and getting coaching and, and things from people to be able to get that other perspective, because it's often just looking at business and making a little tweak that they can't see that it makes all the difference in the world. And then having conversations with, you know, an interpreter, if you will, like somebody that actually understands finances, somebody that actually understands yeah. tech, somebody that actually understands marketing, and they can see things in infinite ways that we can't see, because that's not our specialty. That's not what we've spent the last 40 years looking at. We've been looking at the exact same problem from a completely different angle. And it just seems really silly to not take that exemplary experience into consideration. Just go, you know, I just need an hour of your time. I just need, you know, to talk to you about this, see if it makes sense. And then when, you know, the sparks fly, then, you know, not because of a good sales pitch. Oh, that's so good. I love everything you said. I think it's so important to think about because we have our blinders on. And I just finished up a training on procrastination, which is my favorite thing to talk about. And this is something that I see a lot of entrepreneurs really focusing on, you know, like the sexy stuff in their business, right? It's like, what color is their website going to be? And what's that pretty, all the pretty pictures are going to post on Instagram. When I, the coach that I was working with, she's like, yeah, where are they going to go? Great. They found you. You have nothing set up to get them into your business, into your, there's no download, like, great. They love your photo. Then what happens? And I think that was such an important question. And she's like, don't worry about the, like, we got to build the back stuff first. And so just hearing someone say that is like, oh yeah, light bulb. No. Right. And it becomes a huge business choice, if you will, in understanding that followers are awesome. They're fantastic and great. And you have to figure out how to take ownership of those, of those followers, because if they're not buying something from you or opting into your list, you don't own them in any way, shape or form. You may be able to monetize by putting other people's products in front of them, but then they're going to have the opt-ins. They're going to have the email list. They're, <laughs> they're going to be taking those people somewhere else and entertaining them. And you just want to be able to make sure that, that you have equal share in that. So it does really become important at the end of the day to make sure that one, you're bringing them to a platform that you own, you mm -hmm. own your email, you own your website, you own, they say, hopefully you own your website. If you don't own your website, change that too. There are a lot of people that will put you on places where you don't actually own your website. If mm -hmm. you don't have the username and password to get in to add new email addresses and things, you might want to say that's a pretty key, good key indicator right there. But when you're on the platform, you have more control, right? Right now with a free account with Facebook or YouTube or anything like that, they can shut you down. They mm -hmm. have shut many people down because they didn't like what they're doing. Their entire businesses were gone overnight because somebody decided that they had broken a rule or something. And in some cases, they don't even know what rules they broke and nobody's getting back to them. So that's a really dangerous place to play especially when your livelihood depends on it. Now, in some cases they go, oh, that was broken. Okay, now <laughs> go and build something else, which is awesome. And that's the entrepreneurial spirit at work. Yes, love I'm just not advocating for it. <laughs> right. <you> know. <laughs> right. I like to have it. And the other thing is goodwill of your business is that 
followers don't account for a goodwill of a business. So nobody can buy that business from you if you're an influencer, which you know kind of makes sense. You're the influencer. Mm-hmm. If you want to build a business that you can actually sell to somebody else, you have to have different structures in place in order for it to become sellable. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. I mean, even if it's like, even if you don't do anything wrong, like sometimes there's just tech glitches on these platforms, right? And things are gone for a day or two or your account gets hacked or, you know what I mean? Like it's not even as kind of totally without your control. I think it's Mm -hmm. like, it can be something that's totally outside of your control. So I think that stressing the email list and the ownership piece of it is really important. And again, reinforcing the fact that coaching is critical because you're going to hear from an expert and someone's going to see it from a different perspective. And that can make you grow so much faster than trying to spin your wheels in one spot. Well, and true too, if you have a strategy for how your ideal client's ideal journey happens, from the moment they see your ads or whatever to the moment that they're raving fans and they're referring people to you. When you're doing certain things, like your cost of acquisition to bring that client in is always going to be your highest. And then what do you do with them after that? So are you putting them into year long programs? Are you upselling them, cross-selling, downselling, returning to them, however your business works? Because obviously If you're an event planner, you're not necessarily going to have an event (laughs) every month that that somebody's going to be interested in and they're going to continue to to bring you money. If you're an event planner for somebody else, they may not have events like ongoing and continually. They may just bring you in for a project and then, and that's it. So you want to kind of figure out how to master that relationship, if you will, so that when they go to do it again, they are thinking about you. And it's not just necessarily about doing a fantastic job or connecting with them again. Sometimes it's just, you know, having the newsletters and having interesting content that they want. Sometimes it's, you know, having products or opt-ins that will help them throughout the year to plan their year so that they're thinking about you through the year. And sometimes it just requires some brainstorming either with them or with a coach to go, Hey, what kind of things can I do that would keep them interested for the rest of the year when they're not doing something right? Everybody that's seasonal will have that issue. So it becomes kind of just another business concern. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So, so good. Thinking about, especially the automation piece, where do you see business owners going wrong with it? A lot of times the DIYers are the fun ones because they want to do it themselves and they're usually smart enough. They can do it themselves and that's fine. But unless tech automation is your business, you really have no <laughs> business being doing that. And you're because you're doing a disservice to your business, you're doing a disservice to your client. You, if you have employees, you're definitely doing a disservice to them because you're distracting them from the thing that they want you for. And your job as the business owner is to be the visionary of the company of whatever the thing is, whatever the widget is, whatever the service is, how do we make this bigger, better, more powerful, more transformational for our clients? And I don't care if it's a game of Pong. Job is to be that visionary, right? How do we make this more fun? How do we get out to more people? How do we make it more interactive? And that brainstorming process requires that you're thinking about that challenge And that you're taking it to when you're smelling the flowers and when you're petting the dog and when you're doing this and you're like, we could do the flower version. We could do the dog version. We could do, (laughs) you know, it's those moments of, whereas when you're trying to find the button of how to get the opt-in on your website, (laughs) like it takes you out of the game and you're not using Mm -hmm. those creative juices to be able to solve your business problems. You're solving those problems to 
to do tactical things that somebody else should be doing. So we want to help you to have a strategy whereby you understand where you're going, how to use your time most wisely and efficiently, and then take away those tactical approaches that need to get done, right? You still need to have the opt-in on the website. You still need to have the funnel mm -hmm. down the back end, but you don't need to be the one doing it because it's a waste of your physical time. It's a waste of your emotional effort. And it's a waste of your money really is you could be making so much more money doing the thing that you do best than you could be paying out to somebody for, you know, admin $15 now or tax 50. Like it just, yeah, it becomes silly when the owner of the company could be making hundreds or thousands of dollars an hour and they're focused on the little things. Yeah. Well, the emotional piece of it is very important. I definitely cried over figuring out how to make one of those things work. So right. it is, <laughs> when not... you start crying because you can't figure this out, it's because your focus is in the wrong place. Yeah. And we've all done it. <laughs> we've all done it. Yeah. And I think again, because most of us, as most of my audience is solopreneurs. And so we're starting somewhere where we kind of have to do that. But I, again, reaching out to someone like you faster is probably going to be a better strategy than crying over your email service <laughs> provider. So <laughs> and say, if you've spent more than 20 minutes on this, you've spent too much time on this. Yeah. And even in the bigger companies, a lot of them will do a lot of manual labor because their tech isn't set up to support mm -hmm. their business systems. So when they're manually entering data, they're creating typo error errors they're not necessarily doing a scanning of the data to find out whether or not there's duplicates or things like that. They end up with a lot of dirty data. I just love saying that. So mm -hmm. it becomes very costly in a business to have dirty data because it's like putting dirty oil into an engine. It slows the machine down and it starts to break down in ways that you don't even know and understand. And you don't want that. So you really, even in the big companies, don't want to be kind of manhandling their systems because it, again, takes away people's time. It creates inefficiencies. It slows down the systems for where they should be. So it's time, money, and effort all day long. Yeah. You and I should have a separate conversation where we just get to vent about databases and CRMs because again, I deal <laughs> a lot of that with my nonprofit clients. Well, we'll have a one-off podcast that if you understand it, great. You'll commiserate exactly, with exactly. us. And if you don't, it's okay. Don't That's what I was going to say. Is my poor husband, spend your time doing something yeah, better. Yeah, does not care. <laughs> I'm totally. really upset about database issues. And yeah, actually... I shouldn't even say this, but my side monitor has a spreadsheet that I'm trying to clean up right now because it was dirty data. So yes, I <laughs> sympathize with that. I completely understand and I completely agree. It just becomes, even on a smaller scale, it does really slow things down because you also just can't have that quick snapshot of what is happening in your business. And you well, want to like be a confident. prime example of that is we have a client who has an event coming up and they have the list of people that have paid for it. And then they have to go through and, and figure out, okay, these people paid for it, but are they doing that event this time? Or are they forwarding to the next time, which happens a lot. And then with people who will have opted out of certain things with a certain email address and they go, oh, but I want to buy this because uh, you know, that's the email that I use when I buy things. And then they, and they're not getting the emails and they're wondering why it's like, well, because you unsubscribe from it. Oh, well, you know, I really want you to use this email address. Well, then why'd you give me that email? Mm -hmm. address? That's the one I just 
things with. And, you know, if we're human and we do silly things, don't always make the most sense. And then that ends up corrupting the database if you don't have certain processes in place to, in order to be able to do it. Now, there's other exemptions to that where you have to actually manually go through and right. go, okay, why did you make your first name Linda? Your first name's not Linda. <laughs> Well, also just oh. PSA, don't use caps lock when you're filling out an online form because no <laughs> one wants caps locks addresses in their database. That's just a PSA. Right. And then you get an email back that has all cap- your full name and cap. And you're like, why are they yelling at me? Yeah. Because you yelled at Because you did it to them, right? So we should probably have this conversation <laughs> over a glass of wine. What are a couple other quick wins that someone could just say, okay, I need to start taking this more seriously what's one or two things that they can start thinking about before they reach out to you? Mm-hmm. They should. <laughs> yeah. And so the big one to me is why are you doing this in the first place? Mm-hmm. Is your absolute goal in business? Because a lot of people will overcomplicate a very yeah. simple business. If you're running a coaching business and you just want to have 10 clients a year and you just want to charge them like 10 grand a year, you want to have a hundred grand. You are happy with that lifestyle. You can work 10 hours a week or less and take your laptop and go float your boat wherever you want. Yeah. (laughs) Like that is an awesome lifestyle. There is nothing wrong with that lifestyle. And it does not need to be overcomplicated at all in any way, shape or form. You need a laptop, maybe a phone, and you might need a merchant account to be able to accept credit cards. That's it. That's a beautiful business model. It's only when you're a special kind of crazy and you're going, Hey, okay. What I think I really want to do is have 50 employees. I want to save the world. I want to (laughs) do this. And then I want to express a maker that, you know, we can enjoy and know that we saved the world before the first coffee break. Awesome. There's a whole lot of levels of complexity to that, that you're going to need to have somebody else look at objectively, somebody with more experience in a lot of realms to be able to go, Hey, you can do this and you can do it a lot faster than it's going to take you. If you're just one-offing it and trying to figure it out as you go are way easier ways to be able to build the business of your dreams faster and easier than you ever thought before. And just because you're doing something doesn't mean you need to do twice that. In fact, it's almost never (laughs) a business plan to just do twice as much of what you're doing. Like if you do one event and it works and you go, Hey, I want to do two events a year. Awesome. But that at that point you're done. You're not doing four a year because that's going to work better. That's not how it works. Now you have to look at the strategy and figure out how to make it more effective, have higher priced packages where you're less involved and people are getting more of a transformation. And and, and there's just a lot of thought process that has to go into that. And then you lay it out so that you can hit that end game. And I just think that's what people are missing out because in high school, they thought if I study twice as much, I'll get twice (laughs) a better grade. And they did because they weren't doing anything before. Yeah. They think that. And it just doesn't work that way in business. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point too. It's a little bit of, in some cases, I feel like it's like, I don't know what I don't know too, with what opportunities are available to me to make this easier. So you said like, if you're spending more than 20 minutes on it, that's probably too long. And, but like, why would you know that? Right. Like, I don't (laughs) know how long things are supposed to take. So, so I think it's also really important to have a sense of scale and scope of how, how something should be flowing and how you can start removing yourself from our business. Because at the end of the day, again, especially if you're listening to a time management productivity podcast, you probably want to save more time. You probably want to be working more effectively, more efficiently, and ultimately less in our business. And so we can go have fun and 
enjoy our things. So I think just also making sure, like you said, asking yourself, what's the ultimate goal here and how can I remove myself from it as much as possible? Yeah. So let's have a little bit of fun with efficiencies and onboarding new clients, right? A lot of people will have a first meeting and they'll talk about the exact same thing they talk about with every other client that they've just onboarded. Instead of having an email that goes out saying, hey, super excited to have you on, go and watch this, you know, go log into your account. Here's your stuff. The first few videos are all about how, you know, our relationship is going to work. The third one is about the information that I'm going to need from you at our meeting. And the fourth one's about this. And, you know, you can always go back to those and collect that data when you have a chance. You know, here's how you favorite this video links so that you have them, you know, all of those kind of things so that you're not stuck going, well, how do I do a favorites count? How do I set up a folder in my Google Drive? How do I Mm -hmm. (laughs) access my things? Because it's the bane of your existence, it's the bane of their existence. They don't want to have that conversation with you. They want to be able to go stop you from talking, go and do it. It's really rude to say, stop. I'm going to go and do this, but it's really easy to hit stop on a video and then go and check the thing out and make it happen. And then they get to go meet with you and they go, Hey, got my folder set up on, you know, Google. I'm so excited. And you're like, Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. And now that meeting is totally different. They're not stressed. You're not stressed. You're celebrating their successes. You're just starting off the relationship totally different. Yeah. And they're going to benefit because that's 15 minutes that you're going to be spend coaching them, not teaching them how to, like you said, save stuff and on, doing the onboarding piece of it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's such a great advice. And you can put that on the offboarding process too. There's so, so many ways that you can do exactly that. So it's just about figuring out what's going to be the best strategy and best tools that you can use. I also love in this podcast talking about time management and productivity from your end. So I'd love to change your and hear more about what a day or a week in your life looks like and maybe what systems and automations you use that make your life easier. <laughs> well, like I said earlier, I'm a special kind of crazy and then I bring it up a notch when it comes to my day. So I am in love with podcasts right now. I love hearing them. I love working with them. So not only do I do interviews like this, I also run five of my own, which is slightly crazy. And they're just a ton of fun being able to do those. I am making certain though, that even with the podcast, I am only ever having a nine to five Monday to Friday week. More often than that, I'm making sure that I'm taking time off within it just to Mm -hmm. be able to have some sanity time, to be able to take the dog out, to be able to go in, you know, uh, smell the roses in the summer, look at the mountains. Do all the things that, you know, there's a reason that I'm doing my day. There's a reason I'm running my business that I am. And it's so that I can enjoy my life more, not so that I can run myself ragged. And I think that's an important piece for everybody to keep in mind while they're going through it is if you want a team of people, then enjoy your team, like get to know them to some extent, yeah. if that's what you want is to have a team. And that's those little things when leadership takes a moment out to go like, how is your day? Are you enjoying it? What do you like about your job? Like, it doesn't have to be, I'm your best friend kind of stuff. It's just, I'm taking an interest because I want to know that, you know, we're moving together to make the world a better place. One pong at a time, if that's the thing, <laughs> but it's Love like, it. you know, yeah. whatever it is, just have fun. Awesome. Do you have any themes to your days? Anything strategic like that? Or is it a day by day? Plan. We do have regular set up team meetings. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, first thing in the morning, we have team meetings. And for the most part, 
it's scrambled because I really love to have spontaneity in my day and yeah. my calendar owns me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to consciously make sure that I'm not too repetitive in it so that I don't feel like it's like, oh, it's Groundhog Day all over again. That I don't like. Even if I love doing what I do, I hate Groundhog Day. So I mess my schedule up intentionally so that I'm not always doing the same thing all the time. And that also, because I'm the creative director of my company, <laughs> gives me a little more creativity of it. Whereas the tech team tends to have things pretty stable. We know that we're doing this on Monday, this on Tuesdays, because they like to get into that routine so that they know that they're hitting their deadlines and all that kind of fun stuff. So I think it's also important to know your personality and know how you function within the day. I don't do meetings at eight in the morning mm -hmm. ever. You don't want me at your meetings because <laughs> I'm usually like drooling on something. It's like, no, that's not my ideal time. 10 o'clock at night. I'm super excited and I food, but I'm not exactly focused. It's, you know, it's usually that midday range. Right? Perfect. Love that. Yeah. Most productive and helpful. <laughs> that's awesome. What are some of your favorite tools, resources that you use? throughout the day my favorites we whatsapp throughout mm -hmm. the day as far as kind of our internal communication and we facebook messenger with our clients communication which i think is kind of hilarious though <laughs> if you had told me this 20 years ago i would have went there's no way i'm communicating with my clients on social media like yeah we do that's our entire <laughs> methods of doing it and and throughout those I, I am so oddly low tech. It's kind Love of funny. It. I run that's a great. tech company. I have a phone. I have my laptop. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> that's, I mean, I am too. I like nerding out on this stuff because I can talk about it. I get it. But I really struggle with using project management tools. I love setting them up and then I will never touch it again. Never I touch it again. A, yeah. I, will, I don't think I've opened up my Asana account in probably four months. Love it. It's beautiful. It's doing its thing, reminding me every day to do stuff, but I don't open it. So I think that's really, it's what's really important there to note though, is you have to figure out what was going to work best for you, right? It is, it is personal. It is what's going to play to your strengths. And I love that you're like a very low tech for your personal time management and productivity stuff. That's great. Yeah. I live on my Google calendar and it tells me what to do when, and as soon as it says, go work out, your day is done. It's like, bye-bye. I'm out of here. I love that. <laughs> That's good. That's so good. That's so good. Well, I have a couple fun rapid fire questions. I feel like we already answered some of these, but we'll see where it takes us. Are you a morning person or a night person? Night. Yeah. <laughs> or none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I'm finding more and more people are falling into that category because it's just, or, I mean, some people are like diehard morning people, but I, I, I think like people the... are giving themselves permission now to be what they would be. Whereas exactly. once upon a time, it was very, you have to be at work. You have to have your first appointment by nine. You have to do this and that. I'm like, no, really everybody's working 24 hours now. So I don't want to work those 24 hours. I'm going to work the hours that I see fit. And, um, yeah, the only time I see a sunrise is when the time changes. <laughs> it's like, the sun comes up at nine here. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no. But also, I like working in the evening because then, like, no one's, you're not getting any incoming stuff. So I find I can focus a lot more. So that's good. You kind of already answered this too, but pen and paper or all digital? I am pen and paper when writing notes. So when mm -hmm. I am in a meeting, I am all about the, killing trees oh yeah. everybody's gonna lose their mind but there's just to me something special about it. i do recycle and i feed it to the dog mostly he loves chewing my notes <laughs> keeps him distracted Perfect. and i don't yes. have to buy ten dollar plastic toys for him and it's kind of funny you squish it into a ball and he eats them like 
It's great. It's crazy. Love that. Love that. But it allows me to be able to see what I want to see. And I do have the funky digital books writing thing when I go to conferences because I don't like having a ton of paper at conferences. Yeah. But um, and then my calendar is definitely digital. I don't know how people can live without it. And probably too, because on the websites, we go and give links so that people can set up a meeting. And then I just know when I show up at a meeting, it's like, oh, hey, I have this meeting. This is awesome. Everything I need is right in there. So if I need to have notes to be prepped or whatever, they're all in the meeting. And so, yeah, digital to me in that realm is fantastical and amazing. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's, it's funny you mentioned that everything's in the meeting. I think people often forget that and like total sidebar when I do inbox management people are will hold on to like you know we scheduled this in Calendly you filled out some information in the Calendly I could delete that email everything's in the calendar invite and it's in a Calendly account so yeah use, and it's in your it. deleted files and it's, and it's in, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> information yeah. is hard to lose these days that's great and well what's your last question here is what's your favorite way to relax Ooh, that's a good one well I recently moved and we moved to a place where we have a gorgeous view of the Rocky Mountains and we happen to have a hot tub outside in our front yard. So we go out in a hot tub at night, even if we get to go through the snow to get there and watch the stars at night and gorgeous and watch oh, sunsets. <laughs> that sounds so good. I love that. That's awesome. That sounds great. Well, this has been so much fun, Michelle. I'm so glad to have you here. And I just, like I said, we definitely need to schedule that separate time to talk more but I just think for again for people who are just starting out with their business or automations or even if you're growing really fast yeah. right I mean again this is such important information to be thinking about so that you can be really thoughtful and strategic about how you're building that back-end experience the client experience to save you time make less mistakes and move confidently forward in growing so really appreciate your insights and advice there Absolutely. And it's a ton of fun. So can I give your audience a gift? Of course. I was going to say, I was going to have you share all that yeah. stuff too. Yeah, please. Awesome. So the place I think people need to start off, regardless of the size of their business, is their website. And the reason that is, is because one, you want to use it to get traffic there. And so if you go in and you do our website audit, it gives you back a 30 to 50 page report with your red lights, your yellow lights, and your green lights. And basically there are the traffic gods out there that are deeming whether or not people are allowed to go and see your site. So you'll have a bunch of green lights on your website, which is awesome. You're doing it right. Keep doing it. Things that are yellow lights are slowing your traffic down. So mm. you might want to fix those. It might be broken links. It might be big images, slow upload times, things like that. And then your red lights, which is and not the good kind of red light, bad kind of red light stops your traffic and you're not getting anywhere. And those are the ones you want to fix right away because Google tends to get really mad easily. And, you know, you got to go fix that stuff. So that is normally a 500 page report. And at the end of it, you'll get a link to a discovery call with me. We'll go over your report, find out what's going on for you and look at your business and go, okay, what needs, what foundational pieces need to be in place, little tweaks that might be able to be made to make life easier or potentially looking at, you know, how do we work together and streamline your digital automation? Cool. That's awesome. And where can people, what's your website? Where do they follow? Should they follow you? All that stuff. It's awarenessstrategies.com and then slash website dash audit. If you go to the website, it's the first thing on there. It's step number one, go to your website audit and go and get it checked out. So Awesome. Well, thank That's perfect. I'll link that all in the show notes and remind people that they have that free option. So I really appreciate it. It's been awesome to chat with you and thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. I loved it.